Hope y'all have fun. We're going to have fun. I don't know about y'all. No. Praise the Lord. Uh, join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, again, it is a, a privilege uh, to preach your word, Lord, and and I just pray your grace. Um, thank you for your anointing and the calling that you've given me, Lord. And I just put this in your hands and uh, into the potter's hands and just trust you with it, Lord. Speak to our hearts uh, that we might learn and apply and grow uh, in the things of God. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to start today in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 14, uh, the primary passage will be out of Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33, and uh, with a few other verses uh, sprinkled in. You know, I uh, <clears throat> we talked about love last uh, week, and uh, I will be going back to that. Um, however, I feel uh, strongly that the Lord... Uh, wants me to talk about the subject that we're talking about today, and uh, uh, it, it deals with uh, faith. And I chose for a title, Lord, If It Is You. Lord, If It Is You. How many of you can relate to there are times in our lives during our faith walk with the Lord that we're being pulled and stretched and we're encountering things, and we're not sure. We're in that position in our hearts where, Lord, is this you? Am I the only one? Everyone is always sure that it's God. <laughs> uh, Lord, if this is you, give me a word. Have you ever been there? Lord, if this is you, speak to my heart. Lord, if it is you, confirm it somehow. And uh, we'll get to a point in this passage where uh, one of the disciples uh, does that. So I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll go through it uh, in, in, in smaller increments. Uh, verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, he had just fed the multitudes. Miraculously uh, uh, fed the multitudes. The men count or the male count there was 5 million people plus women and children. So we're looking at anywhere from 10 to 15, I mean, sorry, 10 to 15,000, not million, 5,000 men plus uh, women and children. So we're looking at you know, uh, a couple of loaves and some fishes and some and some fish that somehow got stretched miraculously by God and provided for everyone there with plenty to spare. So we so a great miracle was just witnessed. And on the heels of this, he commands his disciples to get into the boat and to go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time 
was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was great, was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter came out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know, in our walk with the Lord, there will be these moments. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He just gave them basic information. I tell you what, God has told me to do things in my life where he just gave me a few words and made it clear where he wanted me to be where he wanted me to go, what he wanted me to do. He didn't give me any details. But he made sure that I knew where I was supposed to be, where he assigned me. Um, some of those times, not long afterwards, I wonder if he hated me. Because once I began to learn some of the details of what I had to deal with, uh, if I had known beforehand, I would not have signed up. And maybe God in his wisdom, realizing that, knew not to give me the details beforehand. But he gave him basic information. Get in the boat. Head to the other side without me. Seems simple enough. No problem. But the Lord left out some details. The Lord did not tell them about the resistance they would face along the way. Nor did he warn them of the beating they would take. Instead of a favorable wind, the wind was against them. And because of that, the boat was being beaten and rocked by the waves. Now I want to point out something here. These guys were dutifully obeying the Lord's instructions, were they not? They were. They are where the Lord wants them to be, and they are doing what the Lord wants them to do. Yet the doing of it is a struggle, and progress is slow. Why is this happening? I can imagine them thinking. Because I've been there. Why is this happening? Have you ever been there? Lord, why? Lord, I've, 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 I'm endeavoring to obey you, Lord. I see the heathen out there prospering. Lord, I'm struggling. I'm doing the best I can. 
And, and as far as I know, I am walking in obedience here, and yet there is resistance, there's struggle, there's hardship. Lord, why? If you've ever said that, give me an amen. The rest of y'all, I want to, I want to learn at your feet how to walk with the Lord. Come see me after the service. Have you ever considered the possibility that there isn't a special reason why to everything we go through? Does there have to be a special reason why we're going through hardship or going through a struggle or facing resistance? Does it have to be a special attack? Everybody's looking at me. I I want us to think about that. Because the first thing we do, human nature, the first thing we want to know when things don't come out the way that we want them to or, or, or what we expected didn't come to pass is we want to know what? Why? While you're contemplating that, let me ask another question. Why do we always act like God forgot to give us the details? Like, okay, God, I'm sure you intended to get around to doing this. Uh, It may have slipped your mind, so I'm going to help you out here, Lord. I'm going to ask you for the details so I can do what you've called me to. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, God purposely doesn't give us the details. Why? Because if he does give us the details, a lot of the times the details will cause us to walk in fear instead of faith. We might not start the walk. We may not start the path that God wants us on. And the path he wants to take us on is going to require us to trust him. And so we're going to have to say, forget the details. I, I, I know who God is. I know what God, what direction God has told me to go in. And we've got a purpose in our hearts that we're going to go that way regardless of the details. I hope you're hearing that. The temptation for us in this type of situation is to ask God why, but we should instead ask God what? What are you saying to me? What do you require of me? What are you doing? What are you trying to show me, God? Right? Because God is speaking. All right? There is a plan of God at work. Right? And God would want us to cooperate with that plan. Right? And so, if God is trying to show us something, then instead of asking for details as to why, why, why. How many of you know that rooted, uh, undergirding that question why is a victim mentality? It's a whine. Look at him, I'm being so mean. No, it is. Why God? Why me? 
Why do I have to go through this? Why, 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 why? It is a, you may not word it this way in your mind, it is a complaint to God. Why are you letting this happen to me? And and also rooted into that is a lack of trust that he is, he has good for us. Right? That he is not, that he's, that he does have his reasons that he doesn't necessarily have to share with us, but he has his reasons for us going through it and, and he has our good at heart. It doesn't mean we're going to like everything we go through, but the end result is going to be something that is pleasing to God. The end result is going to be some kind of growth, some maturity, some blessing, some, puts us in a position where we are able to allow God to use us to minister his love and truth to someone. And so while we like to focus on the why, we need to get out of that victim mentality and get into a mentality of faith and say, okay, God, I know you've got me here for a reason. I just need to know what you want me to do. Are you hearing me? And so let's not go with why. Let's get past the why questions and let's go to the what. And so let's, uh, read on. So Jesus sent them. The boat's a long way from land. But they're not getting, but they're not making very good progress. He dismissed a crowd of thousands and then went to pray. These guys have been sailing and it's been a, it's, it's been a slow slog. Hours haven't gotten anywhere or, or very far. And then Jesus. It says, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. That little small verse doesn't have a whole lot of words in it, but it it spoke to me. Now, they had three-hour watches back then. The fourth hour is basically 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It's the three-hour watch right before the crack of dawn. So, it's either, depending on your perspective, extremely late at night or extremely early in the morning. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And Jesus comes to them, but he comes to them in a way they've never seen him before. In a way that they've never experienced him before. When they're tired, when they're discouraged, when they're disappointed. I'm sure they felt like they would have made it to the other side by now, but here they are only about halfway. Now, keep in mind, they are working. They're operating in obedience to the Lord. They are still doing what Jesus told them to do. Is there anything more frustrating doing what you know the Lord told you to do and, and, and not really seeing the results you expected to see. Of course, that would make you wonder why. And yet Jesus comes along at the fourth watch, 
walking on the water. Now, I know they get a lot of criticism for not being in faith here, but I doubt that any of us would have been in faith having never seen Jesus walk on the water before. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I don't understand Peter's question. He's in the boat. They're safe in the boat. They're not making the progress that they want to make. But, hey, it makes sense. If you need to go on the other side via a body of water, you need to have a vehicle built for taking you across the water. They're in the water. So why didn't he say, Lord, if it's you, why don't you come over here to the boat? Let me get a close look at you. Let me touch you. Let me feel you. Let me confirm that it's you. I don't know. Let me smell your breath. Whatever it is. Let, let, let me know. We spent enough time together. Let, won't you come into the boat? No, he said, I tell you what, it's great. He gets a lot of criticism here, but, you know, I think it's amazing that he actually says, Lord, if it's you. Now, I see you doing something that's humanly impossible to do. I'm still not quite sure that you're not a ghost, but your voice sounds like you. If it is you, I know you have authority. You can command the storm, peace be still. You can curse a fig tree, okay? You can, you can raise the dead. You can heal the sick. You can open the deaf ears. You can, you can give sight to the blind. So I know the authority that you have. If it's you, then command me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And he had the audacity to try it. I love Peter, man. I tell you what, he's, he, 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 uh, he, he has some, some mishaps. But man, I tell you what, he did not let fear stop him from venturing out with God. And, you know, that boat to me represents the familiar, the safe, the stuff that we know about. We understand it, right? And so it's comfortable to walk with God there. But what about when God presents himself? What about when Jesus, the Lord, presents himself in a way that's well beyond our comfort zone? In a way that's unfamiliar to us. And he tells us, Come, no, no, come over here where I am. God, God, but I'm comfortable over here. Can you come over here? And God is like, no, come. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of that boat and did the impossible. He walked on water toward Jesus. There wasn't, no, there wasn't any details. All he did was say, come. 
And here's where the twist, it starts to turn. When Peter was en route, he saw the wind gust up. All of a sudden, doubt creeped in, and he began to, began to sink. And what does it say that he did? He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? I, I tell you what. I, I, know, I know the Lord is just. It doesn't seem like he's being fair to Peter right here. Because how many disciples are in that boat? Speak up. How many disciples are in the boat? Twelve, right? How many disciples were willing to get out of that boat and walk on water toward Jesus? One. How many disciples did Jesus say, oh, ye of little faith? How in the world is it of little faith if you walked on water? The one guy that got out of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus was the one Jesus said, doubt it. He said, uh, why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. You know, I had to look at this story in other in the other Gospels. Surely there's, there's something I can glean from one of them that give me some more insight here. You know, in Mark, it tells us that Jesus didn't even intend to have this encounter. He, he was going to pass them walking on the water on the other side. They freaked out, and he lovingly dealt with that situation to comfort them. And you have this encounter with Peter. So the original the original command still stands. He wanted he wanted them all to go to the other side. He just sent them on ahead. There's something, there's an assignment over on the other side that they're going to. He hasn't told them what that is. They don't know what's going on. All they know is what Jesus told them to do the basic information that he gave them. But then I still had that question about how in the world could you say, oh, ye of little faith, to the guy who could have said, please come closer to the boat so I can confirm that you're you. But he said, if it's you, Command me to come to you on the water. There's nothing that happened before that that could justify the O ye of little faith. You can't justify the O ye of little faith by, by what Peter said in saying, if it's you, bid me to come to you. So he had to be talking about The fact that he sank 
when the wind got a little bit uh, boisterous. You know, uh, 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 many times you've probably heard it that he got his eyes off Jesus and he began to look at the circumstance and that caused him to be in doubt. Doubt creeped in. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And he began to sink. But he knew who to cry out to, didn't he? I want to compare and uh, uh, contrast uh, uh, Peter with a fella in Matthew chapter 8. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 10. And I believe that gives us a little insight that we can glean from it to know what Jesus was talking about when he said what he said to Peter. And it's a, it was a centurion. Matthew 8, verses 5 to 10 say this. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And what is the difference there? Both Peter and the centurion turned to Jesus. Both of them cried out to him. Peter, when he was sinking, the centurion on behalf of his servant, right? Jesus commends one guy's faith. As a matter of fact, he said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. The other one, oh, your little faith, why did you doubt? You know, I don't believe it's, it's about size of faith. You know, you can't have just big faith versus little faith. I, I, I believe it is a conviction and an assurance that God's uh, uh, concerning the truth of God's word. And you're going to stand on it no matter the circumstances. The centurion could have said or could have felt, you know what? that the only way my servant can be healed if Jesus shows up physically, is there, lays hands on him. If he can't be there, uh, it can't be done. But no, he's like, you don't even have to go. I, I see, I recognize authority. You have it. And if you speak it, that's enough for me. I, I have no doubt that I will go to my house and see my servant healed and whole. I'm not concerned about circumstances. Yes, I see people touching the hem of your garment. I see you laying hands on people. I see you spitting in the dirt and putting it on people's eyes. And it's opening. It seemed to be some point of contact. But I believe that if you just say the word, that there is no force 
on heaven or earth. There is no force that can prevent what you've spoken from coming to pass. And I think that, and I, I believe that that's really in a nutshell what he is uh, talking about there. He's not criticizing the fact that he stepped out of the boat, uh, you know, or that he, or, or he said, if it's you, like he didn't know him, if it's you, bid me to come. He's talking about in that moment when suddenly things change. You thought you had a bead on it. The, the circumstances are what they were, and you figured out a way that, that, that success can happen. But then everything flipped on you. And you're not sure what to do or how things are going to work out. You know, he wants us, God wants us to go back to what did God say? What did God say? And let that be the thing that anchors our soul. The circumstances may have changed. The facts on the ground may be different, but it doesn't matter because what God has spoken cannot be unwritten. What God has spoken will certainly come to pass. I am assured of it. Hebrews 11, verse one, verses 1 and 2 say this. Now faith... Well, everybody has their electric devices now, but uh, I was going to say, now faith is that you ought to bold and underline assurance. It is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. So there is assurance and conviction associated with faith. An assurance and a conviction that circumstances can't shake. Not faith for the sake of having faith, but we're knowing the faithfulness of our God. He is a rock that cannot be moved by the storm. Right? He is a strong foundation, and we can put our trust in him that he is going to get us through. And so we have to remind ourselves of who it is that we are walking with, who it is that we belong to, that if, if we are assured that God has called us to something, then we better be assured that God is going to, going to be faithful to complete it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And you know that Hebrews 11, that's that chapter of all the, the great characters in the Bible who, who, who did great things by faith. And it says, by faith, but it, but it tells you what faith is. By assurance of things, by being assured of the things that were hoped for and being convicted of the things not seen, by that the people of old received their commendation. And by that is how we're going to receive ours in Jesus' name. Are you hearing me? I, I can't guarantee you that things won't change, or that, 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 the, that the winds the, won't, won't oppose you in your life. That when God commands you to do something, I cannot tell you that there will not be resistance that you hadn't planned on. 
that there won't be difficulties and challenges and, and things you would never have signed up for had you known ahead of time what you were going, being called to. Can we trust God in those situations? Can we just, can we trust God even in those situations that we would never willingly volunteer for? That if he calls us to something and it ends up being something much harder than we ever imagined, can we trust him in that place? Can we be just assured of his promises than we were before we took our first step down the path that he called us to. I just think in everything, we're going to have to be assured of the things hoped for. And, and, and that's why that's why we encourage you all to hear God, to do the things that enable you to hear God for yourself. You know, you can't walk with God based on somebody, primarily letting other people tell you what God is saying for you. Okay, you're going to have to know God for yourself. You're going to have to you're going to have to commit to him and spending quality time and quiet time with him so that you know his voice. Right. You're going to have to spend time in his word so that you know his truth. Right. And so 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 you're going to have to spend time in fervent prayer before him on a regular basis so that you are in constant dialogue. And, and when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit convicts, you have a soft heart that responds to him. All right? That's why all of that stuff is important, you know, because there are going to come times in your walk with the Lord that things are going to be hard. It's not going to be that one time. There are going to be times. All right? And, and, and we're going to have to be assured of what God has said. We're going to have to know it. What has God said? Am I, am I doing this because God has assigned me here? Am I going strict, or am I going strictly by the, my own ways and my own plans? Have I humbled myself before God so that despite the plans I have, I am surrendered to him to where I allow him to order my footsteps. Are you hearing me? So uh, that was Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, a very familiar passage says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's what Christy uh, was kind of alluding to earlier. You know, our own understanding can get in the way. We want to know, and there's that question, why? We want to know why. We want to understand if we can, we feel like if we can understand it, then it'll be easier for us. No, it'll just make things more confusing. Because his ways are not ours. It doesn't make sense a lot of times what God tells us to do. And I don't think it's blasphemous to say that. It didn't make sense for God to tell Abraham, I want you to go that way until I tell you to stop. 
I want you to leave your family, all your loved ones, all the community, and everything that you've grown up in. I want you to take your wife from the same. All the kids, get everything that I've blessed you with, and I want you to just go somewhere. Go that direction. There's a land I have for you. How will I know? I'll, I'll let you know when you get there. Just gave him basic information. He didn't even tell him a specific where. He told him the direction. I will, now, imagine what you got to do. I mean, you really got to be assured that you're hearing from God. And you really got to trust God for God to just give you a direction that you've never been to some foreign place, some place thousands of miles away that you've never been, and, 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 and he'll just tell you at some point, you've got to start this walk with God. You've got to commit to it before you have any answers. Now, he's a father of the faith, right? So that kind of faith is a faith that we should be seeking to emulate. That God can just give us a direction. And we're not so concerned with the why that we're paralyzed in a spot waiting for God to give us something that he shouldn't have to. Now, I'm not saying, you know, be foolish. There's wisdom and a multitude of counsel, you know, uh, take, take steps to get confirmation of what God is saying to you. But do it with a heart and a mind that is ready to go. Let's have a go attitude. If God is saying it, I want to do it. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to get this confirmed so that when someone does speak a prophetic word into your life, they are confirming what God is speaking to you. Right? And if it's God, don't worry. He'll confirm it. So I'm not saying be foolish or reckless, but uh, this is more on our ability to trust the Lord with all of our heart. And you know, with all of our heart, that includes our emotions, fears, insecurities, all that stuff, uh, uh, doubts, uh, all the all the uh, uh, objections, all the things that we might feel are our faults and foibles that make us unqualified or unworthy or unable to do what God would have us do. He wants us to be able to trust him with all of that. To where it's not about my lack, God, but it's about your might. Amen? It's not about my inability, it's about your ability to use whatever vessel you deem appropriate. Even each and every one of us. You know, and I, uh, I'll finish in Isaiah 26 today, uh, verses 3 and 4. I felt led to uh, finish with that one after the previous two verses, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. 
And it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know, uh, scripture says that uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let that, that man think that he will get anything from the Lord, right? It's unstable. You know that word doubt? It's pretty much means divided thought. Right? There is a truth that that requires our faith, it requires our trust in it, but doubt comes in and it makes us double-minded, right? And so doubt comes in and creates a double mind, you know, and I just believe God wants us to trust him with all of that, taking all of our doubts, taking all of our fears, taking all of our insecurities, and we're just, we're, we're, we're giving it to God, and we're, we're resolving within ourselves, we're going to love him in our mind, which means we're going to love him in our thoughts. And he says, when you love me, you keep my commandments, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. So if I love him, then my determination here is that I'm going to remember what his word says. And in the face of doubts, in the face of insecurities, in the face of fears and, and, and all those things that lead to unbelief, in the face of those, I'm going to choose to believe his word. I'm going to choose to be assured of it. And by his grace, I'm going to ask God to help me because this cannot be done in self-effort. This cannot be done just by willing ourselves into it. It's got to be a divine work of the Lord. And we're going to need to invite God into it and say, you know what? I'm a willing vessel here, Lord. I'm having trust issues here. And that ought not to be. My, my, my conviction is lacking, but I want to be one who has a strong conviction concerning the things of God. I don't want to uh, look at my uh, uh, limitations or what I'm lacking and, and cause that to uh, diminish what you're capable of, God. I don't want to make you smaller in my mind or in my heart. I want you to enlarge. I want you to be enlarged. I want you to be magnified in my heart and in my mind. And so uh, uh, so we're going to invite God to help us, to mature us, and being able to, to love him with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, so that we can trust him and be used by him to do amazing things. He, us not doing amazing things isn't due to his not believing in us. God can do great and mighty things through each and every one of us here. What stops us is our own doubts. <laughs> our own fears. And if we can overcome that, and just put our trust in the Lord to where whatever God says we will do, 
Wherever God wants us to go, we will go. If he wants us to come out of the boat, if he tells us to do it, we'll, we'll, we'll walk on water. If he says, come out from what's familiar, come out from what is comfortable, come out from what is safe, come out here on the water with me, trust that I will enable you to walk on water. Are we willing to trust him there? If we can trust God to that degree, it says right there, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to challenge you right where you're at and whatever you need to do whether it's you know whether it's come up to the front or whether it's right where you're at I just, I just want to picture your I want you to picture cl close your eyes and I want you to picture yourself where Peter was he wasn't the only one in the boat he had a bunch of his peers in there with him Maybe you recognize today that maybe the Lord has been uh, revealing himself in a new and different way to you. Where he's calling you out of the boat. Now, the, your boat could be anything. You know, whatever situation you are in in life, You're in this boat, and all around you is resistance. You're trying to make it to the finish line. You're trying to get, trying to make progress. And yet it feels like there is this constant resistance against you. And you've asked the question over and over again, God, why? God, why? God, why? You feel like you're doing what God told you to do, but you don't feel like you're getting the results you ought to get. You imagine yourself, are you in your boat right now? And I want you to picture Jesus, the one who who has you going in the direction that you're going, right? The one whose command you've obeyed, and you're out there. You're, you're right there in the middle of the sea of your life. And, and, and you're facing the, the, the rambunctious wind, you know, is coming against you. The, 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 the issues of life are beating up against that boat. You're not exactly sure what the end is. What, 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 when I get over there, God, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what I'm going to be facing. I don't even know why you want me to go there. 
And here comes Jesus presenting himself to you. Doing something you've never seen him do before. So much so you're a bit confused. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if that's the Lord. But he speaks to you. And you recognize his voice. And he's saying, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. You haven't seen me like this before. You haven't seen me do this. But, but, but it's me. And you know it's him because, theoretically, you know it's him because you spend, you spend time with him. You recognize his voice. Oh, yeah, that's the voice of my shepherd. He says, it's me. And since it's new to you, you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to test this thing a little bit here. It's new. Uh, It sounds like him. Okay, Lord, if it's you, then bid me come. Now, this story isn't, this story wasn't uh, in the Bible for no reason. It wasn't in the Bible for Peter's benefit. It's in the Bible for you and I. Your benefit and my benefit. I believe we can learn something here. We need to stop telling Jesus to come into our boat with our why questions. Right? We need to stop telling him to come into our boat. And 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 we need to be willing to venture out where he's at and say, okay, Lord, if this is you, then then bid me to come. I am willing, God, to go where you're at. I'm willing to leave the comfort and safety, uh, a perceived safety of this boat, where, where my struggle is. I don't want to get out there on the water. If I'm struggling in a boat that's meant to travel across the water, how in the world am I going to be able to survive outside the boat in that water? That water is rough. Okay? So it's a hard thing that I'm doing. It's a hard struggle. It may take twice as long as it, as it ought to, but I believe I can get to the other side in this boat. My trust is in this boat. But Lord, if you call me to leave this thing that I'm putting my trust in and to fully put my trust in you, I'm willing to go out there to you. Just confirm to me that it's you, God, and I'll get out of this boat. I'll get out of this familiar. I'll get out of this safe. I'll get out of this comfort. And I will come to you. Because while I don't believe I can do the impossible, I know that you can. And that if you call me to the impossible, then I can. I can go there by your command. Amen? So maybe you're a safe person. Maybe you like familiar. Maybe you've been asking why, 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 because you've been doing what you've always known to do and 
what you've been getting falls well short of your expectations. I would challenge you to open your heart, open your mind to the possibility that the Lord is coming to you in a different way and calling you out of your boat. Will you, where you're at right now, at least do what Peter did, Lord, if it's you? Bid me to come. And if so, are you, will you commit to God that, to, to actually come out of the boat when he says come? The Lord didn't chastise Peter. He wasn't angry at him. He lovingly, when he began to sink, he lovingly picked him up, walked him to the boat, and they made it to the other side. God isn't requiring perfection from you. He wants you to humble yourself before him and trust him in, 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 in faithful obedience. Just say, yes, Lord. And fully trust in him. There is an other side, and you will make it to that other side. Are you hearing me? You will make it. The Lord is in the boat with you. You know, the Lord took him back to that boat, and immediately the wind died down. The struggle wasn't a struggle anymore. Jesus. Made everything right. Jesus, the one who gave the command in the first place. Made that man walk on water picked him up when he was sinking, made him walk back on water back into the boat. And by his command and by his power, they made it to the other side where many more people encountered the Lord and were blessed. Many people touched the hem of his garment and were healed of whatever disease they had. They didn't know it ahead of time, but... But that was God's destination. That was that was the destination for Jesus to go over there and 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 and, and let the power of God be on display, to let the people know that that that, that the Messiah has come. Oh. Father God, I just thank you for your people here today, Lord. Those who have come before you. They've been in their various boats, Lord. They've been struggling, many of them, obeying you, Father God, in the thing that you have called them to. Somehow discouraged and interpreting resistance uh, as though it were a negative thing, that resistance means something that it doesn't mean. You knew that wind would be against them 
when you sent them to go to the other side. They didn't know, but you knew. You also knew that they would make it to the other side, no matter the resistance. And so, Father, I pray that you would encourage us all that way, Lord, that we're not swayed by the circumstances of life. We're not swayed by the wind. We're not swayed by the troubled waters. We're not swayed by the resistance because in the in our minds and in our hearts, we are continually reminded of the word that you gave us. So regardless of the wind, regardless of the waves, regardless of the issues that challenge us, your word is our anchor in the storm. And, 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 and we will accomplish that which you have called us to accomplish. Teach us, Father God, to trust you. And if we can trust you with all of our hearts, we will find the peace of God that passes all understanding will rest upon us. Father, just be glorified in us and bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.